Greetings and welcome to the Trauma and Social Work Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 2. You are listening to Tanya Octave, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. My goal is to provide education, resources, suggested practices, and understand more about the aspects of trauma and social work. This podcast is for you because we are all impacted by trauma. I am your host. Go grab your notepad, pen, or pencil, a warm cup of tea, and let's get down to business. This season is to focus on the voices of others impacted by trauma. Although I may speak on behalf of others with their permission, this is still their voice. You will hear from social workers, parents, families, children, teenagers, clinicians, and just so much more. You will hear from all people, regardless of their heritage, ethnic background, gender or sexuality, identification, social economic status, and much more. Let's take a deep, profound listening to all voices. podcast is not intended for medical, psychological, mental health, or legal advice. You should seek out a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Last week, we were able to listen to a story from a parent and who discussed her feelings about social workers during a time of family distress. So let me introduce Jacob to you. He's a young person finishing up high school this year, and he enjoys sports, readings. He even has his own podcast, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in ways to support and celebrate him. He grew up in a household with two married parents. His dad had a professional career and his mom worked a few jobs off and on, but provided most support in the home. Jacob had his struggles in life. Early on, he struggled in school, but after very after a lot of advocacy and persistence, he began to thrive and even enjoyed school. He does well academically, socially, and is motivated to be successful. During an emotional, difficult moment in Jacob's life, his parents got a divorce. Now, we're not here to talk about the emotional stuff he experienced with his parents' divorce. We are here to give him space to talk about what it was like for him and how he was treated by the counselor, the teachers, social workers, and maybe a few others. We don't hear a lot from our youth, and if we listen to our youth, we sometimes may miss their message. During this episode, if you can listen with open ears and open heart and open your eyes to empathetically allow Jacob's voice to flow through you. I'm so excited I get to interview him today. I have been a silent admirer of you, Jacob, for many, many years with all the great things that you're doing in the world. Your voice is powerful. And with that being said, let's start. So Jacob, can you share a story or two about your counseling experience? 
Yeah, most definitely. And thank you for having me on. And thank you for the wonderful uh, introduction. Um, I remember counseling ever since I was between five and six years old when my parents first split. At first, we had this one counselor. Um, You know, when we're little kids, we really don't know what's going on. At least that was my perspective of it. It was my I had to go to this one place once a week to talk. That's pretty much all I perceived it as when I was younger. But as I slowly grew up, I was like, oh, shoot, that's why I was there. That's why that was my reasoning for being there. So, um, yeah, I just remember going to my first counselor. Very nice. Um, I believe it was through um, CBU, uh, Cal State Baptist. We went mm-hmm. and we just talked to her and then we stopped seeing her. And then we went to another counselor here in Riverside. Um, I believe her name was Miss Susan. She was awesome. She was amazing. And it was just voicing an opinion or voicing the facts that I didn't know that could be harmful to a parent until, like I said, I grew older. So I would just go in there to talk. I would go in there and say, you know what? Dad did this. My mom did this, this, that, and the third, not thinking my words could actually resonate as much as they did and have influence with uh, court decisions and anything like that. So it was basically counseling for me was just going and talking. But like I said, as I grew up, it was like, no, back then your voice actually did matter because that's what they were basing every um, decision they made regarding you and your brothers off of. And so one of the things that I heard in some of the uh, experiences you shared was your word being powerful and making decisions through whatever court process that may have been. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, I, I, assume oh, it must, I assume it must seem, I assume it must feel um, either empowering or that's a lot of responsibility for a kid. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. And now looking back, um, it it is kind of empower- it was kind of empowering because I'm like, dang, I say this, this can have a dramatic effect, but it is also very intimidating because if you say one thing against one parent, you can face backlash from that. And then if you don't, then you can also face backlash from something else. So it was like a very empowering yet intimidating time period and even like if you go to go to a school counselor if you're just talking to them you're not really talking to them because they're going to take what you say and use it so it's just you have the power but it's just sometimes you're too afraid to use the power that you have you also mentioned that you didn't quite know what you were supposed to do in counseling other than talk what were if you can think of what were maybe one or two things that the counselor did to make you feel more comfortable to get you to maybe trust a little bit? Um, so my second counselor, I don't remember much from the first one. Um, the second one, she had like this little um, sandbox in the corner of her room and we would just play in the sand while uh, she would be talking to us. And whenever I did that, I just felt comfortable. Like she would give us like snacks and stuff like that. So when you're young, that's like pretty much truth serum. Like you can, you will say pretty much anything that's on your mind. And whenever I went there, I knew that I was going to voice what I needed to voice. And I never really felt uncomfortable around my second counselor. She was awesome. She was amazing. So it, it didn't really take much for me to speak up, but it did take a little bit of like, 
persuasion like okay so you said this happened can you kind of go in a little bit more detail and stuff like that so it didn't take much but it was typically like either the sand or like a snack and then I was talking okay well I'm glad to at least hear that you did some sand Um, what research tells us about children is that we need to speak their language and often their language when they're young is through their play And so the sandbox was probably one of her techniques or his techniques that he used to try to get you to express yourself um, and what was going on through play. So I'm at least glad to hear that that was happening because I hear all kinds of horror stories. (laughs) So did you feel a sense of obligation or even connection to the counselor? Um, Not as much obligation. Not mm-hmm. as much obligation, just as connection. Like, it was a person where I was like, yeah, I can, I can talk to this person. Like, I wasn't intimidated of her. I, was, I just knew that she was a person that I could talk to and that, quite frankly, I wanted and I was open to talking to her. Because mm-hmm. for a short while, I wasn't sure why I was even there. Like, I was like, okay, what am I doing here? But then when the light bulb turned on, I'm like, oh, okay, well then, yeah, this is easy. I can talk to her about pretty much anything because when I first went, she was asking me questions about my dad. I'm like, "Uh, how is that relevant or like why? Mm -hmm. But, uh, and then eventually I figured out why uh, I was going there. And then I was like, okay, well, now I'm happy I had her to talk to because she was just an amazing overall counselor. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure she would appreciate that as well. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that you disliked about therapy? Um, just like if just like them like showing up or like this, that's more CPS, but then basically saying everything's going to be confidential. Everything's going to stay in the space. But then eventually you find out it doesn't stay in that space. It's going to be voiced out. And that was probably the only negative that I had with counseling because it's their job to basically take what you say and kind of translate it. And I was like, dang, I thought something that was supposed to be private would stay private, not be open information. So if I had to like narrow it down to one thing that I, that kind of counseling put a sour taste in my mouth, that would have to be it. Well, and as a clinician, um, privacy is something that I take very seriously. And I am seeing that there are ethical issues that come up when it comes to children with the type of information that um, counselors are, I guess, sharing with other professionals. So I hope that this changes. Um, and that the relationship between two people where there is confidentiality and it's protected by law too, that is not shared because that could, that could just be an awful experience. You're assuming this is a private conversation and then later you either hear from it from someone else or you read it in a report of something you said. <laughs> there, yeah. There's some distrust that could be developed after that. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned... Um, the CPS social worker, what did you notice about the difference between, let's say, a CPS social worker and like your counselor who may or may not have also been a social worker? My counselor was more inviting. She was like, this is a safe space. The CPS was just there to get what they needed to get and then leave showing up because like when I was a little kid or when I was like in second or third grade, 
we had this thing called Kid Zone, which is basically like an after school program. CPS showed up there. I'm like, why is this person trying to talk to me? That that was probably the clean difference between the two. CPS was more, you know what, we're here because we're here to follow up on counseling was more like you can talk here and you'll be fine. So CPS was more like get down in business. Counseling was more you're you're my client and I'm going to listen to you and you're free to talk here. That was probably the clean difference between the two for me. And what I heard in that, Jacob, was that the CPS social worker sounds more uh, that they were coming from a stance of authority. Kind of you do what I say here are some questions we have to complete this maybe more task oriented mm-hmm. and that was an, uh, an experience that probably would not welcome anyone to having a good conversation yeah um and then your counselor seemed more welcoming and that you were also i guess i guess a participant in the conversation mm-hmm. okay When you talk to social workers about family stuff and whether or not that's good or bad things social workers did, um, what changes do you think can be made so that this experience can be better for other kids? Share, I I think it would be share what's wanted to be shared, what wants to be kept private, leave it private. Um, Especially with now, especially over the COVID period, where we have seen that depression has gone up, stuff like that has escalated. I think that a certain level of privacy, that barrier needs to be made clear that if I'm sharing something with you that I want to be shared, I'll let you know. But if it's private, I would like it to remain private and not public information because you're, you're trusting someone with your opinion. You're trusting someone with your voice just for them to be like, you know what? I'm going to take your word. I'm going to use it for this so I can see, so I can sort of reap the benefits of that. I don't think that is an appropriate thing to do for anyone who works in um, social work, especially with kids, because kids are very reserved. They're not typically open, especially teenagers. Teenagers were not really willing to tell anybody everything. So I think when anyone tells you something that they want to remain private, leave it private. Do not share that with anybody. And it might be tough because they might be going through something that you feel like you need to report. But if they're telling you, leave it alone. It's private. I think you should be like, you know what? Out of respect, I'm going to leave it private. And once again, I just think it was beautiful that you said children and teenagers need to have this space where they don't want to share all their personal information with everyone in the world. And if they are tr- entrusting you to make for sure that that's clear, who will hear this? Yeah. Uh, and just to clarify for my listening audience, um, the conversations you have with CPS, who is our child protective services uh, agency, um, those conversations are not private. And anything mm-hmm. you tell a social worker, that stuff is going to get written in a report and told to all the parties involved. Um, the conversations that are protected, um, for the most part, are with your therapist that you're seeing on a weekly base. And, and sometimes I think people get confused that when they talk to the social worker, the assumption is that that social worker is here to help them. Um, and that may be true, um, but 
it is also going to end up in report because that's a part of their job responsibilities. And I think that should have been clearly stated to you at the beginning during these interviews and conversations with whoever the social worker was, what that relationship yeah. was like. Um, if you can think of your experience during that time, was there anything traumatic happening for you that maybe the social workers or other professionals had missed? It was just a tough pill to swallow that my parents weren't together anymore. That's probably the only thing. Um, having, you, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think CPS um, may have escalated that issue? Because sometimes when other people get involved, uh, they don't know the family the way the family knows the family and issues can uh, escalate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, basically, like I said, kind of at the top, it was like, you, if you don't report this, this can happen. But if you do report this, this can also happen as well. So it was just like, you're, you're getting it from everywhere, especially when you are talking to someone that can control if you see this parent as much or if you don't see this parent as much. Whose house are you at more and stuff like that. There was definitely a lot of pressure for you to say something or for you not to say something. Um, the counselors pretty much covered their bases with me. It was just the fact that my parents weren't together anymore. That's what got me like, dang, like that that's a reality. Like my my dad and my mom, they're split. It's a wrap. That, that was pretty much the only thing that took me a while just to full on get the grasp of it. But once I did, it was just like, you know what? It is what it is. And I just kept it pushing. And so for you, the part that was um, hard to manage was the divorce and the assumption from maybe CPS or maybe even the therapist at different times, they may have assumed different things. So mm-hmm. maybe for them being patient and really trying to listen to your story without putting words. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Was there anything or some things that social workers, when you did interact with them, that they did well to make you feel supported, to make you feel heard? Um, I mean, there was this one social worker that did, like, come to uh, my old house. She was very nice. She was very, 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 very nice, very open. She was like, okay, just tell me what happened. And then she was more receptive than the other ones. They were just like, you know what? When did this happen? Why did this happen? Done. They left. She was more like trying to gather everything, make sure her bases were covered, making sure I felt comfortable. She was very open, open with me and open about the situation to where I didn't feel pressured to say something or pressured not to say something. Good. And a part of that is that she gave you, it sounds like, space to be honest Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe not say anything. Oftentimes, um, kids may feel pressured that they have to say something. Um, But silence is also a choice. And so you also have silence where you may choose not to as well. Um, So lastly, I know that you have your own podcast. So, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and what do you see moving forward in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, our podcast, we're pretty much an any topic podcast. If you want something to talk about, you know where to find us. It's just we 
we've touched on pretty much everything. We touched on COVID. We touched on depression, stuff like that. That that's basically the basis of our show. We just want people to come on and have a good conversation with us. No matter what it is, we'll do our research. And then we just want to be inviting the people who might want to start their own. So we kind of give them that window to be like, you know what, this is what you do. This is how you go about it. And this is kind of how we're building towards the future in our future right now. We're about to wrap our second season. We're going into our third and um, we're just looking forward to see what, the third season has a sore for us. Well, much congratulations. What's the name of the podcast? Oh, it's uh, N Double J Podcast. Okay. And is it just you or you and other peers? It's, yeah, it's me, my good buddy Noah, and then uh, my brother Josh. Well, for the listening audience, definitely do that. Listen to the podcast and do a like for support as well. Thank you very, very much, Jacob, for this interview. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Jacob is such a hardworking young man. He is going places. So keep a lookout for his podcast in Double J Podcast as he goes into season three. Children at different times in their lives will talk to different social workers. They may have to address concerns from other adults if there are issues of abuse or neglect, things like that. My own children have even gone through this as well. It's a common experience, and yet we don't hear from young people about these experiences. Jacob shared that CPS, Child Protective Social Workers, with the exception of one, they weren't empathetic, patient or careful about not sharing private information. When it comes to children, things can be tricky, but they should have a space where things are private. We, are, we all like our privacy, and so do children. What I like about Jacob's interview was his honesty. The CPS process was hard, And part of this was just because of what his family was going through at the time. The other part that was hard was because he thought he had a a private space where he could talk. And this was unfortunately violated. If you are a social worker, you should communicate your role and be truthful and realistic. If you are going to share a child's interview with their parents, the courts, or others, then don't deceive them. Let them know. And if you are a counselor working in a therapeutic setting, Jacob shared that we need to do better at two things. One, to communicate the limits of confidentiality and what will and will not be shared. As a clinician doing this for many years, it can be achieved because I do it all the time in my work with young people. Or I guess I should say with all people. Two, explore why the child is coming to see you. This is more difficult for the clinician who is untrained. And children are not sure what counseling even is. So it is the professional's job to explain this in an honest, compassionate, and harmonious manner. Children, after some time, know why they go to school, 
why they're celebrating holidays in a particular way or visiting family. But when it comes to therapy, they don't know what they're supposed to do. So clinicians, get better at doing this and building on your own toolbox of resources so that you can help navigate children through this process. We have all had moments in our life that can be emotionally wearing on us. Like Jacob's, a parent's divorce was a series of events he learned to navigate through as a child. Don't forget your sensitivity, especially when working with children. Listen to their voice, be honest, be patient. And like Jacob said, children are reserved. They don't think behave, or feel as we do as adults. Their minds, bodies, and feelings are constantly changing and adapting. It is our responsibility as a healthy adult to help children navigate the world so that their foundation is stable, a foundation in spirituality, morality, security, and trust. All that has been provided to Jacob by both of his parents. listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Like below and subscribe to my channel. I will end by saying the keys to happiness are following the path towards knowing oneself. Ancient comedic proverbs.